The piece I enjoy, I think, the most is watching the people grow, watching our employees engage and just see how they've developed in their careers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show. Well, today we have yet another guest that started their career path in a more traditional way, specifically an audit, and continued to grow and progress all the way to senior manager. Along the way, though, she realized that she truly did enjoy people development and training opportunities. So when the opportunity came up for her to form a new department at her firm for the purpose of managing learning at their organization, she happily welcomed the chance. Stacy Rogers from Cohen & Company is joining us today, and she is the Director of Learning and Development, an area that she got involved in just a few years ago. And I alluded to this at the very end of the show, but I really appreciated her taking the time out for this. We're in the middle of COVID, of course, and so training professionals are having to make a lot of major adjustments in how material is delivered these days. So for Stacy to take out the time to do this for us really is a gift. I think you're truly going to enjoy this conversation. And if you do enjoy and learn something from this episode, please share it with a friend or on social media. We love getting positive feedback or any feedback on the show for that matter. And the more you share it, of course, the more people will find it and the more people we can benefit. So if you do have just a moment or two, please share it out in whatever way you would prefer. We really do appreciate it. And as we're coming into the new college semester here shortly, and we're likely just going to see more virtual meetings than we used to. So if there's anything that I can personally do for you in your accounting clubs or any accounting related associations, please let me know. I'm happy to be a guest speaker on career issues or anything else that's appropriate. Just shoot me an email or a LinkedIn message and we can arrange something. I'm very happy to help. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's guest. Here's Stacy Rogers. Well, hello, Stacy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. This will be fun. Well, for the audience, we have another guest that started out, as most of us did, along the more traditional accounting career path and now has been able to take her career in the direction of one of her true passions, learning and people development. We have Stacy Rogers on the line with us today, and she is the Director of Learning and Development with Cohen and Company in the Cleveland area. I always like a story of how an individual's accounting education gets them started well in the business world. And then, you know, as their career progresses, they're able to find what they truly enjoy and thrive in that space. And it was all because they started in accounting. This really is going to be a fun story. Well, Stacey, I, I do want to get to what you're doing now, but I always like to start at the beginning so everyone understands, you know, how your career has progressed. What led you to decide to consider accounting? as a possible career choice in the first place? Well, I can't say that I woke up one morning when I was a child and said, that's what I'm going to do. But I did decide early on, actually when I was in high school, that accounting was going to be the career for me. I took a 
accounting course in high school and was just curious. I was always intrigued when my mom would sit down and pay the bills and I would observe and watch her how she balanced her checkbook and those kinds of things. So I thought an accounting course might be fun. So I took that, I think it was my junior year of high school. And, you know, it was your basic intro to accounting course. And in high school, we got the green ledger paper, we got a checkbook that we had to balance. And we basically, for the whole class, did like this case study. And I fell in love. I was like, this is fun. This is this is exciting. This is like a giant puzzle for me. And I had always done well in kind of my math courses and critical thinking and those kinds of things. But it was just amazing to me how much I enjoyed that accounting course. And I was actually kind of bummed there wasn't like a next level when I was in high school. So I knew that when I was selecting a college that accounting was going to be my major. So I started down the path of choosing a college and I had always wanted to attend a small liberal arts college actually that was about 20 minutes from where I grew up and it's called Hiram College. And I remember going there as a child with my grandmother and just seeing the campus and it's, it's just a beautiful campus. And I remember telling her, I'm going to go to school there. And so I knew I wanted to do accounting. I started looking into Hiram's curriculum and they didn't have accounting. <laughs> I was like, well, this doesn't exactly fit my plan, which a lot of my story does not fit the plan. So I didn't care at that point. It was actually, I felt more strongly that I wanted to go to school there. So they did have a business program. I, I thought, I'll just do the business program and I'll take all their accounting courses and I'll be fine. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career. I didn't know where I wanted to go with it. I just knew I loved accounting. So I kind of went down that path. And so I spent four years at Hiram and we had some amazing accounting professors actually. And they were actually really driven to add that accounting major to the curriculum and make that a degree because it was just really important for all of the various reasons that an accounting degree is important if you want to make a career out of it. So they actually worked really hard the four years that I was there. And I was actually the first class to graduate from Hiram with an accounting and financial management degree from the school. So it was really cool to be a part of that inaugural class that graduated with that degree and be a part of that entire process. But yeah, I always knew accounting was what I wanted to do. And kind of as I went through that whole process to choose a school that wasn't known as an accounting school, been very fortunate to have amazing accounting professors who actually worked in the profession and really found the value in creating that degree. And then to be the first class that graduated with that degree from Hiram was a pretty awesome, I guess, moment in my journey that I wasn't expecting, but looking back and reflecting on it was really, really neat. Okay. Wow. Wow. So you the first graduating class <laughs> with an accounting. That's pretty yeah. awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm glad we, we talked about your education or you talked about your education a little bit because I was curious about your master's degree, information systems auditing and control. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe that wasn't that cutting edge back then, but it seems like it was. I mean, because that was 15 years ago, 13 years ago now. Yeah. Was that a common path or I guess what led you to, to get that master's degree? 
No, it was actually really interesting. Being the first class graduating from Hiram in with that, the accounting degree, it was only structured as a traditional accounting program. You know, many times today they're structured as 150 hours so you can sit for the CPA and have all of that information and not have to go on for a master's degree. But because this was a newer program, that was not the case. So actually Hiram partnered with Bowling Green State University to basically take their accounting students and get them their master's in accountancy through kind of this partnership program so that they could then get the additional 30 hours that were needed to sit for the CPA exam and then ultimately get their master's degree as well. So I was actually the first person who actually went through that partnership program. And it was really interesting when I got to that point. I knew when I graduated from Hiram that I wanted to do public accounting. I definitely when I was going through accounting and doing my internships and things along those lines in my junior and senior year, I had done all of my internships in industry. And I, you know, I worked in an accounts payable department. I, I assisted in an accounting department for a large private company in Northeast Ohio. And I kept finding myself just being really frustrated. Like, did I choose, did I might've chose the wrong major? Like, I remember having that thought for a moment because I just didn't enjoy my internship experiences, which is little piece of advice is that is why internships are so important <laughs> when you're going through <laughs> your college education is because you really get to learn a lot about yourself and what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. And my internship experiences showed me what I did not enjoy. And so I thought, what public accounting, that's the one thing I didn't try. So hopefully that'll be the right fit. So by the time I got to my master's and getting ready to embark on that journey, I knew that public accounting was for me. And so the head of the program at the time had, he was, I think he was cutting edge. To go back to your comment, Mark, he really was cutting edge. He understood how important information systems were going to be in the world of audit. And this was 15 years ago. And today, I mean, it's literally, if you don't understand information systems, it's really hard to audit now. So it was very cutting edge, I think, at the time. And I remember resisting it, actually, when he was pushing all of us that were coming into the program to say, you know what, if there was a specialization that you can do, we really encourage you to specialize in the information systems auditing and control. And what's even crazier is that when I was at Hiram, I had not a single information systems class. So I didn't even know what I was getting into, but, you know, heeding his advice and kind of being someone who always looked to others to help guide and direct along that path and really make sure that I was making some good choices for myself because no one in my family had gone down this path or had any idea about accounting careers. Um, my grandmother was a teacher. And so it was just a very different, and neither of my parents did a college degree. So it was I was kind of navigating this and really relying on people around me to guide me. And so he guided me down that path. And I got to tell you that first semester, I was pretty frustrated with them because I did not enjoy it. I didn't enjoy internal controls. That It was a really tough time in my college career because I thought I really made the wrong choice. But I finished out the master's program and I got to the end of it and I got very comfortable with information systems and I really started to understand the importance of it and 
really was appreciative of his advice at the time. But I will tell you that actually in my first several years at Cohen, when we really were moving in a direction of understanding information systems and getting into back in the day, it was SSAA 16 reporting and now it's SOC 1 and 2 reports. I was the only one who could go talk to the IT guys at our clients because I was the only one who could speak their language or at least attempt to understand what they were doing. So something that I resisted very strongly but knew it was the right thing to do ended up serving me well and still continues to serve me very, very well today in my career. And I would highly encourage accounting students to make sure that this is a critical part of your development. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sometimes things pay off. Uh, mm-hmm. You're at Cohen and Company now, and and I believe you started your career at Cohen and Company. And we don't see that too often on the show. Is that correct? I did. I did. I did no okay. internships, but I was wow. hired in as a entry level staff in the audit department. Okay. Okay. And there again, that's what 13 years ago. Is that about yep. right? Yep. I, okay. 13 years in September. Wow. Okay. What were some of, well, I guess, first of all, what's kept you there that long? Because that is unusual these days. Great to hear, Mm -hmm. for sure. But there's obviously some some real positive culture aspects if that's happening. And then secondly, I guess, what have been some of the milestones? Because I do want to get to your learning and development, but Mm -hmm. you transitioned at the senior manager point. So I'm sure there's a lot of story before that. What what were some of the milestones while you were still a regular accountant? <laughs> well, you know, it's really interesting. Like I said, public accounting was kind of an afterthought for me because of my internship experiences. And I didn't know much about accounting firms. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who I should interview with or anything along those lines. But to share another story, back when I was at Hiram, I was taking my one and only auditing course that I had taken during my career there. And our current CEO, who is Randy Meyeroff and was the CEO at the time, had come to talk to our auditing class about his career in public accounting. And so he actually, for those of you who don't know Randy or his story, he actually started as an intern in at Cohen & Company as well and had worked his way all the way up to CEO. So he had an amazing story. And the way that he talked about the culture at Cohen & Company and just what they stood for and how they they approached client service and the fact that, you know, I was standing there in front of a CEO who was talking to a class at a small liberal arts college and just overjoyed with his career. And I looked at the girl sitting next to me and I said, I will work there someday. This was my junior year. So I said to her, I will work there someday. And she looked back at me and she said, Yeah, absolutely. And so I actually started down the path. I chased after Cohen, actually. They never recruited me. This was actually in November. So another thing I didn't know about public accounting careers is that you actually get recruited an entire year in advance of when your internship or full-time start is. So I actually contacted them in November and they were like, "Uh, we've done all of our hiring. You're kind of out of luck. But, you know, if you want to kind of add yourself to the pool in September of next year and, you know, kind of apply for a full-time position, we would you know, we'd be open to doing that and we'll keep your resume and follow back up with you. And I said, okay, that sounds great. And so I did my due diligence and I interviewed with them my senior year. And this was before I knew I wanted my master's degree. And I remember interviewing with one who is currently the COO today, Mark Schakowsky, and he made me an offer on the spot and said, you know, 
yes, we want you and we want you to be here. And I said, well, I'm not going to have my 150. And he looked at me and he said, well, that's okay. And I said, yeah, but I don't know how balancing full-time work and full-time, like getting a master's degree, like I really want to show up and do my best for you. And he said, well, go get your master's. We'll extend the offer till you're done. And I was just taken aback by that. And to one, have, you know, one of the head partners make me an offer on the spot and be so flexible in the moment and really make it a, it was more about me. It wasn't about them. They really wanted me to be excited about that opportunity and to make it right and make sure that I was in a good spot. So I really appreciated that about them. And I ended up going and then getting my master's at Bowling Green and then started a year later. And even before I started a year later, like they still had me come back and just meet more people and really just help me get to know the culture to make sure that it was still a good fit for me and it was a good fit for them. And it was just, it was a really great process. And every single person I met truly made me feel like I belonged and really made me feel like an individual. That was really important to me. I didn't want to feel like a number. I wanted to feel like that you know, they were as interested in my career as I was my own career. And they were. And every every interaction that I had really just embraced that and really made that something that was really special to me. And so what's really interesting, though, that girl that was sitting next to me, she actually works for our sister company. She actually got an internship at our sister company, Sequoia Financial Planning, and she is still there 13 years later with me. And we reminisce about that class actually quite often to say, gosh, can you imagine? Here we both are 13 years later still working at our dream jobs. So it was pretty pretty amazing uh, kind of journey to find Cohen. And then I started as an auditor. I worked in our private company services. I worked on private companies, primarily in the Northeast Ohio area. Really enjoyed that. I loved being out at my clients, getting to know my clients. I got my CPA passed, actually all four parts in the first try, which was crazy to think that I could do that. But I did that in my first year at Cohen. And, you know, I spent five years doing that. And I was also dabbling a little bit in our private funds group. And I was doing some hedge fund audits as well. And so that area of the business for us grew pretty quickly. And as I hit about that five-year mark, right as I was hitting that manager mark, I was getting pulled between both of those practices because they actually operated quite separately at the time. So I made the decision five years into my career to actually switch niches and switch specialties. And I went from private company audits, kind of more in a traditional sense of manufacturing distribution service to hedge funds and investment industry. So I focused in hedge funds, advisor audits, and kind of private type engagements for those types of clients in the investment industry. So I spent five years doing that and really enjoyed it, loved it. Things were moving along pretty well, and I was promoted to senior manager while I was doing that and spent a lot of time in both areas. And so what was really unique about my experience is that I actually, at the time, the organization was kind of divided into what we called two pillars. We had our private company services group and our investment industry services group. And not many people kind of went back and forth between those two. I had a very unique experience in that as a part of my career. And it made me a really well-rounded kind of professional. And I also, when I was in the private company services practice, did some tax work. So I would 
prepare the audit or do the review of the financial statements. And then I would prepare the actual tax return. That was back in the day when we were quite a bit smaller. And so I got some exposure to tax as well. So I really had the opportunity to really see all areas of the business throughout my career when I was kind of a practicing CPA. So it was really a great experience. And then that IT that, that information systems auditing control kept coming back and it kept coming back. And I ended up being the person who did a majority in the investment industry group, a majority of their SOC reports and auditing of the IT areas and just really digging in in that area and also got very involved in the uh, custody exams once the custody rules were revamped. So yeah, I've really had kind of when I was practicing on the professional side, a lot of different opportunities, and I think that's what kept me at Cohen. I really had that opportunity to just play to my strengths. And it's just a great culture that really allows you opportunity. And as long as you are putting in the work and you're really showing up and contributing great employee, they will show up for you and give you the opportunities that make the most sense to really highlight your strengths and allow you to operate in your strengths. Because I think that's what allowed me to be so successful, especially in my first 10 years and get all the way to the senior manager level, because I just had so much opportunity to try new things and it's okay to fail and it's okay just so that you're learning from all of those experiences. And that's the culture and the environment that Cohen has. It's always kept me there. Never once have I actually ever thought about leaving because I can't imagine working anywhere else just because of the culture that they've really truly created. Sure. Yeah, it's home. That makes sense. So I am curious speaking you know, being senior managers. So you're a senior manager, you've worked in both silos, so to speak, both niches that the firm has, had a lot of opportunity to do different things. What caused you to decide to make the move into the development area outside of core audit? What? Yeah. It seems like a big move. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's what's so crazy. You think you have a plan. I was working on partner. That's ultimately what I was driving towards, and I didn't see any of that changing. I mean, I knew that at this point in my career, I had had my first child, and we were talking about having a second child, and I knew that I, my balance was going to have to change a bit, and I was going to have to adjust my schedule, and you know, no big deal. Cohen has been really, really great for allowing people to adjust for family and you know, part-time schedules or whatever's needed you know, to really, truly meet their needs. So I was in the middle of, it was 2017, I was in the middle of busy season, and I got wind that they were looking at creating a learning and development department. It wasn't something that Cohen had previously had. We actually had grown pretty significantly in a very short period of time. When I started 13 years ago, we were about 150 employees, and in 2017, we were approaching 450, I think. So it was, and a lot of that growth had taken place in the last two to three years at this point in 2017. So we had had a consultant come in who had looked at our, some of our operational structure and had indicated and noted that this was kind of a gap for us and that with our growth, that this was probably something that we needed to look to do to really centralize learning and development and CPE and all of those things. So I got wind that they were doing that and didn't really think much of it. 
And actually, Mark, who hired me, that was uh, had approached me and said, hey, I, I've been working on this with our HR team, and we really are looking at adding a learning and development department. And I'm actually really interested to get your input because you've been very involved in performance management. I had done a lot of work in performance management. I did a ton of training and really just enjoyed those aspects of it. And I said, absolutely, I'd love to give you my input on, you know, kind of what you're looking for and how, how this needs to evolve. So we sat down, spent some time doing that, and we were having that conversation. And the next conversation he had with me was, so what do you think about taking this? And I was like, very taken aback. I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, what do you think about being the person who gets this started? And I said, well, you're in the middle of busy season. You're stressed. You've been working a lot of hours and someone sits there and offers you a position that would be very, very different from what you do day to day. And actually in like literally the week before that I had found out I was pregnant with my second child and I knew that something was going to have to change for me, but I was just thinking I was going to go part time and cut back. So to be presented with this opportunity at very moment, again, it was kind of one of those divine interventions that said, no, this is where we want you to go next. And so I was really shocked by it, but incredibly intrigued to think that I could do full time what I always kind of felt guilty for doing because I wasn't doing billable work (laughs) when I was working on training and development and those kinds of things. Like to think that I could have a career in that, it was incredibly exciting, but also terrifying at the same time, because it wasn't anything that I had ever done. I mean, I had not, you know, I was training, but I was never trained in how to train. I didn't know what a learning and development department looked like. I'd never worked for an organization that had one. Um, I've spent my whole career at one organization. So it was a scary moment. It was a scary kind of process, thought process, but also incredibly invigorating at the same time. And so I spent some time kind of debating it over with my husband and talking about it and being reassured by our leadership that I was going to get the resources I needed to really make that happen. And so I came back from my maternity leave in January of 2018. And I was at the time, the senior learning and development manager of the organization and started the learning and development department. Wow. So that title can mean a lot of things, I guess, and I I don't want to make assumptions. So how does a director Mm -hmm. of learning and development spend her days or weeks? What do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I didn't know at first. That was probably (laughs) the biggest, I think, thing I had to overcome was what does that look like and what does that truly entail? So I spent the first several months really trying to iron that out. I mean, what it does today, and I think talking about what I do today is probably a little bit more evolved, but, you know, we basically handle training from the time that you're onboarded until the time you retire. So that means your technical training, your professional development training, all of the CPE requirements that go along with executing on that training because we are NASBA approved sponsors. So our CPE qualifies for all of the different states. We help all of our employees track their licensing and make sure that they're in compliance with the licensing. We assist them with their audits. We also help them keep up on all of the different compliance rules that are changing for their states and those types of things. We handle all new hire training. So when you're onboarded, we handle all of that training and coordinating all of those pieces. 
We do system implementation training as well. So we've actually been pretty actively replacing and updating and bringing on new systems for the organization, practice management, CRM systems, those kinds of things. And so my team's also very involved in helping to do all of that training for the firm. We do lots, we have an entire professional development curriculum. So, and we offer some type of professional development at every level in the firm. There's still a lot of things on our list that we're, we're working towards, but we really, the idea is, is to support the firm with learning and development that allows the firm to reach their strategic goals and objectives. So how do we develop the best accountants that we can develop? And not just accountants, but also our operations folks as well, and really provide an environment and a platform and various ways in which they can all further themselves and really create an environment that is constantly learning and growing as they progress through their careers. What do you enjoy about it? You know, the piece I enjoy, I think, the most is watching the people grow, watching our employees engage and just um, see how they've developed in their careers. You know, I spent 10 years as a CPA and, you know, I watched people grow in their careers that way as well. But on the learning and development side, it's, it's just different. You watch the aha moments take place, especially in the professional development space. You know, I was actually just conducting, a, co-facilitating with one of my team members, a new manager training, and it's a second session of it. And one of the managers in that training was a brand new hire when I was still on the other side. And to watch to see where he is today and watch him just grow and develop in that training, it just, I mean, it gives me so much energy. And I believe in learning. I believe in continuous learning. I believe that we're never done. And creating tools and ways in which we can foster that in our environment, which, you know, our culture is already about great people first and really making sure that our people have what they need for success. Because if you take good care of your people, they'll take care of everything else for you. Our founding partner, Ron Cohen, believed that. And he still, you know, to this day, we'll say that. And I truly believe it too. And I feel like I'm making a difference. I was making a difference with my clients, but this, I get to see how this difference impacts our entire firm. And it brings me a lot of joy and I have a lot of fun doing it. Okay. Well, I didn't plan to ask you this, but listening to you, it just, this question popped in my mind. I'm curious, what's challenging about learning and development that the people in the, on the traditional side of the house may not realize? What do auditors and tax people and just accountants in general probably perceive as easy that's really not all that easy? Yeah, you know, and having been on that other side, I, that perspective has just been invaluable to me as I go through this. And actually, as I've grown my team, trying to portray this to my team members who are not accountants and saying, at the end of the day, learning, it happens on the job a lot, but to take the time to pause and to actually engage in training is sometimes really hard for our folks because it's, you know, they have the billable work, they have the client demands, and sometimes it's just not second nature to just want to jump into a training. So I think the thing, you know, thinking about it from the other side, I think where I underappreciated it was how much work goes into creating a training course. When I started reading more and more about the proper way to create training, because I definitely was not doing that when I was a practicing CPA, to see the statistic that one hour of CPE should take you approximately 40 hours to create. 
and and to think through and to design and those learning objectives that everybody kind of just breezes through at the beginning of every training, those are like core to developing and designing trainings. And there is an entire industry out there that that's all they do. And there's a, there's a methodology, there's a process. And I totally took all of that for granted as a practicing professional. And today, now understanding, knowing what it takes to actually create good, relevant content that really does drive those learning objectives and that you can measure your success against, it's a lot more than just throwing together a PowerPoint slide and sharing your expertise based on your experiences in the field. So I think that was probably... I think the biggest kind of aha moment for me when I came over and I still to this day, I actually, I had to have this conversation earlier this week with a partner to say, you know, I'd love to help you out creating that content for your client, but it's going to take us anywhere from 20 to 40 hours to do that. And I think just that realization of how long it takes to create a training, it's just not something you throw together to do it well and to do it with effectiveness. It takes a heck of a lot more than that. All you need is PowerPoint. Come on. (laughs) I know. I know. This will be the battle for the rest of my career, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I may even get a few thank you notes from CE instructors for including this on the podcast. So uh, thank thank you for sharing it. For sure. Well, because you now understand why they charge what they have to charge because it's a lot of time. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, and I know I promised you we would get off at a certain point. Before we get to the final three questions, one last question. I'm curious. Mm -hmm. If your career goes exactly as you would like, what does that look like over the next few years? What would you like to see that look like? Well, I got to tell you, Mark, uh, just given how my career has evolved and really none of it going according to plan. Part of me hesitates to really look too far out because there's just so much opportunity that I don't know what I don't know yet. And so I try to keep an open mind to what's next and what that would be. I think I would love to continue, at least for now, see myself continue to grow this learning and development department and really just make it a key component to everything that we do and be so integrated and ingrained in our culture and in our objectives that everybody's thinking about learning and development and how it can further the firm and drive the firm forward. So, I mean, that's truly my goal. I mean, If it means partnership, you know, in an administrative capacity, I don't think I'd be upset about that and continue to find ways where I can provide leadership for the firm, um, given my experiences to date and my understanding of the firm as a whole. And I think I can continue to provide a lot of value in a leadership role in the firm and we'll continue to do that through learning and development for now and see where it goes from here. Okay. I was curious because I know it's only been a couple years since you've worked in this mm-hmm. part of the firm. And so, right. Uh, yeah, you've got, you got a lot of goals, I'm sure. <laughs> I do. Um, I do. And, you know, I take them one little one at a time. So there you go. Well, we do end every show with the same three questions. So I do want to go ahead and get to those. The first one is usually the easiest. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? You know, I actually struggled with this one, Mark, because I feel like there's so many things that I look back on and just so proud of having had the opportunity to do those things. I mean, to be probably really boring and just uh, probably cliche, it truly was when I passed my CPA exam because I did it 
in the first time, all four parts while working full time. And it just, it was a huge accomplishment. I look back on that and say, I will do everything in my power to never lose that because it was a really tough thing for me. And I was just really proud of that moment. You know, I've had plenty of other additional ones that have made me incredibly proud. But I think if I really had to narrow it down to one, that truly was a pretty awesome moment for me. That doesn't bother me at all. I'm a big <laughs> believer in certification. So, no, it's, mm-hmm. it's refreshing, actually, to hear that. Well, second question, tell us about a lesson that you had to learn the hard way or did learn the hard way. And the more you could tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how we all benefit and learn from this. Mm-hmm. I think as I was reflecting, I always go back to this one experience that I had. It was my would have been my third busy season with Colin and I was a new senior and I learned the importance of communication. Communication is just literally, it's how you are most effective in your career as a public accountant. Everybody's like, well, yeah, you, you got to, but you're a CPA, you got to know how to do the numbers and do good math. And I was like, well, spreadsheets do that for you today. You know, it's much more about, in my mind, communication. And I remember February. I had been trying to work on this one job for weeks and the information kept getting delayed and it wasn't coming and I was supposed to do it in late January and now it's late February and now the information's finally starting to come in and I didn't have anybody working on the engagement with me. It was just me going working directly with a partner and I had another engagement starting basically the same week that all of this work was coming in and there was there needed to be a quick turnaround on the engagement once the information was in the door. And I kept reassuring the partner that everything was going to be fine. And I ended up going on field work for another engagement. And it was down in Florida. And I remember kind of heading down there, flying down there with my senior manager that we were going to visit that client. And I think the impact and the reality of what I had on my plate was starting to kind of overwhelm me. And I never said anything to that partner, but I started talking to my senior manager about it. And it was like, I've got to get this job to partner review. Like, I have so much work to do on it, but we're going to be in the field and this just isn't going to work. And, you know, like kind of freaking out on him a little bit. He's like, it's okay. It's okay. He's like, how about, you know, he's like, I'm actually in a good spot. And he really stepped down and helped me and really started, did a lot of the client work. And I spent almost the entire field work trip working on that other job, not on the client that I was down there for. So it was really tough. And I felt terrible about the situation and eventually got that other job done for that partner. I did a terrible job on it. It was by far not the best work I've ever done. And the other job got done as well. I was able to kind of switch gears once I got a lot of the work to the other partner for review. But I specifically vividly remembering six months later, finally getting the feedback back from the partner on that job. And in the feedback, she said, I think Stacy probably had too much on her plate and she probably should have spoken up about it. And I was like, oh, you know, and it was like, okay, well, that would have been really nice for you to recognize in the moment and tell me in the moment. But it was also on me to raise my hand. She didn't know how buried I was. She didn't understand that. She can't read my mind. And so I think that was one of those moments in my career where I vowed that never would I keep that to myself, but I would always be very transparent about what was on my plate, where I was at, what was realistic, because I mean, I almost put myself into a burnout mode 
And it's just not a good place to be. And so the sooner you can learn that in your career and understand the power of communication and the power of just making sure that people know where you're at will prevent you so much pain and heartache as you navigate that public accounting career. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good lesson because really, it really is incumbent on both sides to be sensitive to, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. Sure. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? So this one for me, I've kind of received these in, there's actually two pieces. The first one I think that always kept me grounded was that we're not saving lives. Don't lose perspective. It's because you get going so quickly and things do get incredibly stressful in, in a public accounting career. And it's really easy to forget what you're doing and why you're doing it. And so to remember to pause and use that power of pause to slow things down and just remember we're not saving lives. The work will be there tomorrow. If we have to go have a communication with the client, that's okay too. But be honest and be real about what we're doing and just keep perspective so that you don't get lost and end up burning yourself out in your career. So I think on the CPA side of things and you know, as a practicing professional, I think that I still remind myself of that even not in a, as a practicing professional. And then I think on the other side, in learning and development, and something I think I've always kind of really tried to emulate because I think it does matter is the quote by Maya Angelou, which is, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I think I approach pretty much everything I do with that mindset, not overthinking it, but remembering at the core of everything we do is a human being and not forgetting that and really keeping that perspective so that you can create an experience, whether it's a learning experience or it's an experience with your client that is memorable and in a moment that they'll always remember. <laughs> you should trademark that, the power of pause. <laughs> I've never heard that term before. <laughs> it's a part, actually, it's... Back to the Mark, our COO, who hired me. He's the one who taught me that lesson. The power of pause is powerful and weave it into every single one of our trainings now. And everybody continues to say that's one of their takeaways. So we must be doing something right. It must work. Yes, yes. Well, all of us need to hear to keep perspective. So thank you. That really is good advice to end this on. Thank you for taking the time out for this because you're in the training space. We're in the middle of COVID, and I know that means <laughs> there are massive projects on your plate these days. There certainly so. are, but this was a lot of fun. So thank you, Mark. No problem. Thank you for taking the time. Have a great day. Well, that was our interview with Stacy Rogers. And I know I talk about this occasionally, and I know I mentioned it in this show already, but I really do enjoy and appreciate those stories where someone started in accounting, and then as their careers progressed, they found their true passions, and yet their accounting background still continues to benefit them, whether it's in a totally different area or whether it's in a parallel area to accounting. In any case, accounting itself is a very resilient industry, and the knowledge you get when you start your career in accounting is cross-applicable just about anywhere. It's interesting how far-reaching your accounting knowledge can be beneficial. And Stacy's story is yet another story that proves that. You can tell she really enjoys what she does. Well, thank you again for joining us. I know I mentioned this before as well, but if there's anything I can do for you, please feel free to reach out to me 
personally on LinkedIn. I'm very findable. It's Mark Goldman. Just shoot me a message on LinkedIn. If there's anything I can do for you, I'm happy to help. Well, with that, we'll go ahead and close it down. We'll see you all next week. There's more to come.